I was to ask you how you were, or how you would identify yourself, I want you to think about that. What would you say? Maybe just some one one word or or one line answers. Go ahead. Short. Short. All right, that's good. That's kind of thing I'm talking about there, PFC Kyle. That's good. All right. What else? What? A wife. All right. Do what? A clown? A loud? Okay. I can't hear anything, man. That's not, not good. Deaf. <laughs> All right. What else? We got dads. We got wives. We got mother. All right. A son? Yes. A human? All right, that's good. I'm glad you're not an alien. All right. All right, now, let's think about it this way, okay? If I was to ask you who God is, right? One word, one thought, one one line kind of answers. How would you describe him? Yes. All right, everything, okay? Yeah. Good? Good? (laughs) That's good. You just sang that. I'm glad you believe it. Yeah. Do it. A father? All right, I like it, Lily. Perfect, Shay. Do what? Supporter, yeah. All right. A savior. Perfect love. What you got, Grayson? Awesome. Somebody else said something over here. Creator. Holy. All right. Now I want you to think about both of those questions. Who are you, and who is God? Because I think. That the Bible teaches us that who we are flows out of who God is. In other words, we can't really know who we are unless we know who God is. That God made us to know Him, to have a relationship with Him, to know who He is and to live how He wants us to live. You heard somebody say that God is creator. He's the one who made us. You heard people say that God is a a perfect, loving father. He's a supporter. That is, he, he wants a relationship with the people that he's made. And here's the very interesting thing about it. A lot of times, instead of people loving God and wanting this good, good father in their lives, they kind of push him to the side. Or they're like, eh, thanks God, but no thanks. I, I think I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, even so much so that when God sent his one and only begotten son into this world, Jesus, God in flesh, that when Jesus came into this world, there were a lot of people who did not want any part of him. And there were a lot of people who rejected his teaching. There was a lot of people who debated him and questioned his authority. In fact, over in the Gospel of Mark, there's a place where there's people that are just constantly trying to test and try Jesus and trap him in his words, trying to prove that he's really not who he says he is and who he claims to be. So over in the book of Mark, I'm going to take you to a little uh, encounter that Jesus had with a group of Sadducees. And it's in Mark chapter uh, chapter 12. Chapter 11 starts this uh, debate Jesus is having with a bunch of religious leaders in his day. But in Mark chapter 12, verse 18, there's a group of people called Sadducees. 
And here's what they do when they come to Jesus. They thought they knew who they were. They thought they knew who God was. But we're going to find out what actually happens. Mark chapter 12, verse 18. Some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. Right? The Sadducees did not believe that the dead would come back to life in God's kingdom. These people came to Jesus and began to question him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. I know that's kind of a weird idea in our day and time, but this Old Testament thousands of years ago, okay, that's just how they operated. So here's their question, verse 20. There were seven brothers. The first one took a wife and died and left her no children. The second one married her and died, leaving behind no children. And the third, likewise. And so all seven left no children. And then last of all, the woman died also. Now Jesus, in the resurrection, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. All right? Now this is, a, this is kind of bizarre. Um, so you might need to understand a thing or two about what's going on here, right? The Old Testament was given by inspiration of God. He gave the word to his people so that his people could know him, so that they could live by his truth and walk in his ways. And so in the Old Testament, we've got a bunch of commandments, 613 of them to be specific. At least it's how the Jewish rabbis counted them. You probably are familiar with the Ten Commandments. Anybody heard of those before? You don't have to list them all out now, but you've, you've heard Ten Commandments. All right, so, so we think about those Ten Commands being things that were decreed by God to help His people live like they were supposed to live. Right? So you start off, there should be no other gods before me. You don't need to make any graven images and worship idols. You don't take the name of the Lord in vain. You remember the Sabbath day and you keep it holy. You honor your father and your mother. And it goes on all the way through the, through the end. And so when it comes to these commandments, people thought, well, we, we need to keep all of these things because God gave us these rules to live by. And so they started trying to live their lives by these rules, by this list of things that they should do and should not do. And the Sadducees were one group of people that thought they had it all figured out. They thought that they knew who God was, knew what God wanted, and knew how they were supposed to live. And one command in particular that the Sadducees and other groups of Jews knew to be true was this law. Uh, some people have called it the, the law of leveret marriage, but it basically worked like this. All right? I'm going to I'm have to try this. We have any we have any brothers in the room tonight? Like brothers that are actually here. We don't, do we? This is no fun. Who we got? We got. Yeah. Hey, Bryce, Caden, can you guys come up here and help me real quick? I, I promise I won't embarrass you too bad. It'll it'll be all right. This will just help. In fact, I'll even I'll even embarrass myself. I'll claim to be one of your brothers. Is that okay? You didn't catch that. It's okay. All right. So, Bryce and Caden are brothers. Like actual brothers. I'm not, but I'm going to pretend to be. Is that all right? You're the oldest. You're the youngest. I'll be in the middle. Does that sound? You're in the middle? You have another brother? I'll, I'll, oh, you got sisters. We don't need to count them in this thing. All right. All right. So let's just pretend. It's just three of us brothers. Your sisters are off. They're getting their hair done or something. All right. Let's pretend. 
And so, uh, so you meet somebody, Bryce, and uh, you decide you're going to marry this girl. I don't know who we can really do this with. We might embarrass somebody, so we won't. We'll, just, we'll pretend like you married a girl named, no, Kyle, not you. We'll pretend, like, we'll pretend like you married a girl named Gertrude. Nobody's named Gertrude in here, right? All right, we're good. Gertrude. Bad name, but she was really pretty. Okay, let's just go like that. So you married this girl named Gertrude. Now, according to Old Testament law given by Moses, if Bryce were to, for to some reason die before he and Gertrude had children, then the, older, the, the next oldest brother in line would have to marry Gertrude and help her to have children so that she didn't have to live the rest of her life as a poor, homeless, destitute widow, right? So let's just pretend you died. I told you this wouldn't be too bad. You can go sit down. Right now, so Bryce has died and, and he's gone on. So now it would be my job as a person living under God's commands in the Old Testament to take Gertrude as my wife. Steph, I'm thankful your name's not Gertrude. And then marry her and we would try to have children and hopefully I could provide a stable home for her because a lot of times in Jewish society, women were frowned upon and kind of looked down upon. So it was really God's way of taking care of these women who wouldn't have any way to support themselves. So the Sadducees come up with this awesome hypothetical scenario about seven brothers in line. All of them die, so let's pretend I die now, but i got to keep talking. And let's pretend you die too, and let's just pretend you got some more brothers too. Thanks for helping me out, appreciate it. So all these brothers die, and then the woman dies too. And here's the predicament, this woman doesn't have any children with any of these husbands that she's had before. So the Sadducees had a question. You remember what it was? In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? What do you, what do you think? Before we read the rest of the passage, what do you think? Anybody say the first one? Because, you know, he had first dibs? No? All right. Page, yeah, page seven. I would say the first one. That's what I'd say. Anybody say the last one? Because he was the one that was most recently married to. All right. Anybody say... She's got to put up with seven guys for all of eternity. Anybody there? No? Well, Jesus gave the Sadducees this answer, but I want you to think about their question. We were introduced to the Sadducees, and the Bible tells us they did not believe in what? And they're asking Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? You see the problem here? They've come up with a hypothetical question, a way to trap Jesus in his own teachings and what they thought were false beliefs, but they couldn't do it. So Jesus answers their question, and here's what he says. Uh, Mark chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are mistaken and you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they are neither married nor are given in marriage. Rather, they're like the angels in heaven. So Jesus says, guys, you're missing the point. She's not going to be married in heaven in eternity. That's not why she was created. Jesus says this in verse 26. Regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses... In the passage about the burning bush, 
You guys remember that Bible story when Moses came to the burning bush in the wilderness? And God spoke to Moses saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I want you to stop and think about this because you might not be familiar with the timeline. But Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had been dead for hundreds of years by the time Moses is having this conversation with God at the burning bush. And when God talked to Moses, God didn't say, hey, I used to be the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all of your forefathers, I used to be their God. He said, I am the God of these people. It was proof that God was alive and powerful, but it was also proof that God still had a relationship with each of these people he had created even after they had left this earth. Jesus said this in verse 27, He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. Here's what I think we do, we do maybe, maybe not necessarily just like the Sadducees, but in some ways kind of like them. We sell ourselves short. So when you stop and think about these questions like, who am I? When you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, who are you? We say things that are related to temporary situations on this earth, right? Well, I'm really a nobody. I'm not that popular. Nobody likes me. Or I've got all this stuff. Everybody likes me. We, we kind of identify ourselves by what other people think about us in this world. Or by how we view ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror. Just the outward form, our physical appearance and body. But when Jesus is talking to these Sadducees, he's trying to help them understand that they were made for much more than just living according to a list of rules. And that they were made for much more than just breathing on this earth. They were made for life, but they were made for life eternal, life with God. Because you see, who we are is directly related to who God is. It's not that we're God, it's that God made us in His image. And if God is an eternal being and He made us in His image, He has not just made us for life on this earth. He's made us for eternity. And these Sadducees didn't just miss out on who they were, they missed out on who God was. Just think about this for a moment. Because they had decided there was no resurrection, that the dead couldn't be raised, the dead wouldn't be raised to new life, they had come to this very ugly conclusion. God doesn't have enough power to raise the dead. Maybe God doesn't care about the dead. Maybe Maybe God is just kind of this antiquated thing that we talk about and we have his laws from the Old Testament, but we can't really have a relationship with it. The Sadducees had gotten a lot of things wrong. It was because they did not truly know who God was. He wasn't the God of the dead. He is the God of the living, and he's still the God of the living today. He is the creator who made you and formed you. He is the Savior who died for you, but He's also the one who rose again to new life. And when you believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son and flesh, 
died for your sins on the cross and that he rose again, then you come to understand who you are and who God is. Do you know that? I mean, so think about it with me if you want to. You look at yourself in the mirror or you think about who you are. Do you always have good thoughts or feelings about yourself? Good. Nobody's conceded. That's a good thing. Sometimes we just stop and we think, man, you know, I'm really not all that great of a person. I don't really look all that great. I'm really not smart. I really don't have a whole lot. In fact, if I really look deep down within myself, I find not just ugliness on the outside, but there's some real sin deep within the recesses of my heart. There's some things that I do wrong. There's lies that I tell. There's people that I cheat. There's things that I disobey the Lord's commands. And I I got some real problems. I think that's where we have to come face to face with reality. The Sadducees didn't want to go there. They thought they knew who they were. They thought they had all the answers. They thought they didn't really need anybody else to talk to them or tell them what was going on. But they really needed Jesus to come into their lives and point out to them, no, you're sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins. But Jesus didn't come to leave people dead in their trespasses and sins. He came to bring new life to people who were once dead. And when we allow Jesus into our lives, all of a sudden we realize just how great and glorious our God truly is. Because Jesus is the one who shows us God's love. He showed us God's love when he stretched out his arms and he died on the cross. Jesus is the one who gives us the opportunity to know God as our Father in heaven. God's only Son opened the way so that we can know God as our Father, so we can pray to him and talk to him and have that relationship with him. Jesus came to show us God's holiness and his perfection. He lived in obedience to his Father all of his life, not just doing things on the outside to make himself look good, but genuinely from the heart, pleasing and honoring and glorifying the God who had sent him here to this earth. Jesus shows us who God is. And we come to realize that God is the God of the living and that God wants us to have life in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. It makes all the difference in the world. Because I think the very first things that would come to our minds are things like you mentioned earlier when I asked you who God was. He's he's a good father. He's loving, that he's perfect, that he's a supporter, that he's there for us, that he's our father, that he's holy. But I think something else will come to our minds when we'll ask that question, who am I? You know what I'd love for every single person, not just in this room, but on this earth, to be able to say, when somebody asks him this question, who are you? I'd love for somebody to just stand up and go, I'm a child of God. That's me. God made me. He saved me. He sent his son to die for me. He's brought me to new life, and he's made me to live eternally with him. Do you know who you are? You can know who you are if you come to know the God who made you, the God who sent his son to die for your sins, the God who raised his son to new life. He made you to know him, and he made you to live eternally with him. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living.
you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father God, we thank you so much for this time we've been able to spend together tonight and worship you, lifting up our voices and, and praising you, our good, good Father in heaven. Lord, we thank you for making us. We thank you for sending your Son to die for us, even in spite of our own sinful state, even while we were sinners, you loved us enough to give up your only son on the cross. And so God, I pray that tonight, as you look into our hearts, as you speak to, to each of us, God, that we would see who you are, that we would see who you made us to be, that we would live for your honor and for your glory. God, I pray if there's somebody here tonight who, who doesn't know who they are because they've never come to realize who you are, God, that they would trust in your son Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins and rose again. God, I pray for those in this room who do know who you are and, and call themselves Christians and call themselves sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. God, I pray for each one of us that we would remember our identity in Christ. God, that he loves us, that he saved us, and that he's made us to live eternally. God, thank you for loving us. Help us to glorify you in everything that we do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.